you can go ahead and stand up, and I will read from 2 Peter, the first chapter, verses 3 through about 11. I do need to, I'm sorry, y'all. I am going to read verses 1 and 2, sorry. Um, I'm going to read, and then I'll catch up with you at verse 3. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Christ of Jesus Christ, to those who have received an e- a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything. Somebody say everything. everything. It's given us everything uh, required or pertaining for life and godliness through the knowledge or true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these he has granted us very great and precious promises so that through them, that is his promises, you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness, brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, that's key, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten his or her cleansing from past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election because if you do these things or practice these things, you will never stumble. Today, I want to talk about how to keep going deep. How to keep going deep. Lord, um, we're not deep for deep sake. Uh, you know, uh, some people are deep with just no connection to reality. Um, but deep in you is an awakening to all comprehensive realities. And so, God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that you would uh, throw your weight around in this place, uh, in our lives, and I pray that you would be glorified. Um, that your people would be edified, uh, but your enemy would be horrified. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated in his presence. You may be seated in his presence. Um, This this is my favorite t-shirt. I wanted to wear it here today. And this is my favorite t-shirt for so many reasons. This is like my most favorite moment in basketball. It, it just is. I, I, know, I know you know what this is. I, I know being a basketball player, pastor, you understand what this is. I'll never, I mean, most people have a play that's their favorite play. My favorite play in the game wasn't even a play. It was an apprentice next to a master player. And he bends over in the middle of the game and he whispers something to the guy he looks up to. Now all of a sudden, the guy he looks up to as they're bending their knees, he whispers something back to him, but then he backs up 
and gets back in the game. Then after the game is over, Jordan is getting interviewed uh, by, I believe, Ahmad Rashad. And as he's getting interviewed, he's talking to him, and he said, I, I saw the young fella asking you some questions. And as he was asking you some questions, the young fellow was asking you questions. And, well, what, what, the, what, what was that exchange there? And he said to him, oh, he just asked me uh, on how uh, do you work and, and fight against the defense. And I said, uh, all you got to do is you fill the defense with your legs and you can go anywhere from there. I love that. I love it on so many levels um, because the beauty of our relationship with God is the best defense is a good offense. Now, I don't know if you know this, but we're supposed to walk with God. And so he was talking about legs. And what I like about their relationship is that it reflects a discipleship relationship. And what is discipleship? What does a disciple define? A disciple is one who is in a lifelong apprenticeship to Jesus Christ. This guy was chasing him for all his career, but we're supposed to not chase man. Ultimately, we're chasing Jesus because we have one goal and one goal only. God has one goal for you. God has one goal. Somebody say one goal. It's in Romans 8, 29. It's, it, it, he said, I have predestined you. He's predestined us to be what? Conformed to the image of Christ. So, so God's image, God's desire, rather, is for you to be chiseled into the image of Jesus Christ. That that's literally what he's up to. And so going deeper is really about looking more like Jesus Christ. Um, I had a, um, a, a sculptor at my church, and I couldn't believe his, I mean, you know, I just, I think, sculpt, I, I, you know, I like all kinds of artists, but sculptors are, are aliens to me. The reason why they're aliens to me is because they can go to a stone or some type of structure, even the ice sculpture people, and they can just carve an image. And I was looking at this and I was like, man, how, what do you do? How do you work this out? Because all I see is a rock. I don't understand how you do this. And he said, pastor, that's the problem. I said, what? He said, the problem is you see a rock. He said, but, but my issue is I see something inside of it. He said, he said, really sculpting for me isn't sculpting. It's removing what's on top of what I see. And all I'm doing is taking everything off that's getting in the way of the image that's already on the inside of the rock. And so guess what? Your life has been booby-trapped to look like Jesus. So that means everything in your life that you go through and everything that you deal with is God taking off the stuff that's on top of your life that doesn't allow you or him or everybody else to see Jesus Christ in your life. And let me just tell you something here, friend. I know you're going through something that's, that's making you struggle. I know you're going through some frustrations, but let me tell you what God is up to, whether you like it or not. God schedules an appointment for you to go through some chiseling. He, you, you're going to go through some arm chiseling. You're going to go through some feet chiseling. You're going to go Go through some eye chiseling so you can see better. Some of us need to go through some mouth chiseling. But whatever chiseling that you need to go through, God's going to remove some stuff off your life. And we ain't going to talk about other areas of our life that need some chiseling. <laughs> and so Peter here, he's an OG now. He's an OG. He's an OG now. He's got varicose veins. He can't really see right now. Um, uh, he, 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 he's a, he, he, he's been in his apostleship for a minute. 
And so he, he, he understands being a princess. He understands that. You understand it from verse 1, Pastor. You understand it already. From verse 1, you understand that Peter learned a lesson. I'm, I don't have no points today. I'm just going to walk the text. That's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to walk the text and just open up what's in it. So, so look, at verse, look at verse 1. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle. Stop right there. He already learned a lesson. He already learned a lesson right here. See, back in the day, Jesus Christ, you know, he was walking. His disciples were behind him, 12 of them. And you know, one of them said, yo, man, when Jesus comes in his glory, I'm going to be the most beastly disciple. I'm going to be right next to him, his throne. I'm going to be posted up right here. Y'all going to be all over there. I'm be, and they start arguing with each other. And, and, they was, and, and, and Jesus, one of the disciples said, man, y'all may want to chill. Here come Jesus. Because they, they know the drill. When they say something stupid, he's coming with the rebuke, right? Um, and, so, and, so, and, so, and so he comes over because he got the Jesus look on his face, you know? And so, and so he comes over to him, and he's like, what are y'all arguing about? Well, no, nah, he was saying he was going to be the greatest. No, nah, I wouldn't. I ain't say that. He said that even though Jesus know what all of them said, they saying what they didn't say, pointing at the other person saying the other one said it. But Jesus says, pause, right? He said, the greatest among you will become a servant. See, back in the day, Peter would have had this word here and this word here. But he learned the lesson that being an apostle doesn't inform you being a servant. A servant informs being an apostle because before he got appointed, he was a servant. And so going deeper is about having your identity in the right stuff. Listen to me. You can never grow spiritually unless your confidence is in the right stuff. And so when, when and, and, and most of our issues are identity issues, right? And so he goes down, and I like this. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, one of my favorite. He says, his divine power has given us everything. Somebody yell everything. everything. Uh-oh, y'all became Pentecostal this morning. <laughs> Required for life and godliness. That is so dope, y'all. Know what? That's amazing. Because God, when you got saved, gave you everything you needed. So you don't have to stand in the worship service and ask the anointing to fall on you. When you got saved, God gave you everything you need. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain, because y'all looking at me funny. All right. When I got my new iPhone, um, I just got it the other day, it, 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 it has, a, it has, a, it has a, a, a new operating system. And so that operating system on the phone has everything it needs to work. You know, it, it may go through some upgrades and some, and some things that help it to grow. But fundamentally, the operating system is new. Listen, when you got saved, you got a new operating system. In other words, now you have the capacity to operate differently. Because now you're new. So everything God asks you to do, you already know how to do because fundamentally it's on your operating system. 
So you've been reprogrammed to function totally differently now. So you don't, you, you, you don't have to say, I can't do that anymore. You're just asking God to help me to access doing it. So stop asking God for joy. You already got it. Stop asking God for peace. You already got it. The issue isn't give me joy and give me peace. You got to say, God, what's in the way of my joy? What's in the way of my peace? Help me to access. That's what the Bible says, count it all joy. Why? It didn't say go get joy. You already got it. That's what the Bible says. It didn't say work for your salvation. with It says work, work, work out. You can't work out what's not already in you. So, so listen, stop walking around calling yourself a sinner all the time. We still sin, but you're also a new person. And so you got to trust that God has remade you well. We, we all a mess in process. Yes, we are. But, 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 but by God's grace, as you go deeper, you're in process. Not like this. He says, his, his divine power has given us everything for life, eternal life, and godliness through well, how, how, what, what, what is the means through the epigonosco, the true knowledge. That knowledge here is not just normal knowledge that's intellectual knowledge. It's relational knowledge, knowledge that comes from a relationship. Uh, uh, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his what? Own glory and goodness. This is, whoo, this is good stuff. So he called, a God. listen, so God did not like look into, from eternity past into time present and say, man, I'm going to save them because they're going to do some great things for me. It's not what he did. It's not how it works. Basically, God called us in response to himself. Meaning, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit was in the eternal mirror in the whatever you call it that they were living in. I don't know what they were living in. But God was like, man, I sure am eternally fine. <laughs> you know, the triceptacles of my grace is just amazing. Stay with me. The six pack of my justice and mercy is amazing. I'm so fine and fly, ain't we? Jesus said, we, are, we do look good. Um, we're, we're, we're pretty good darn looking, Pop. Holy Spirit said, yeah, yeah, yeah we look good. He said, we, we can't keep all this goodness to ourselves, can we? He said, nah. He said, so I got an idea. He said, let's create some people. Now, they can't be us. Holy Spirit, high five, high Jesus, nah, they can't be us. It's only us. We got all by ourselves, but we don't need nobody else. And so he says, but let's make them in a way in which they are reflectors of us so that we, we shine who we are on them and they represent us in the world and they become our vice regents. And they represent us on the planet. Okay, y'all looking at me funny. Let me see if I can make it even plainer. In other words, you're a model. You have an endorsement deal. Let me see if I can make it plain again. So, so an endorsement deal means this. That you wear a company's clothing while you do life. Or while you do something. And while you're wearing it, other people see it. And they're attracted to wearing what you're wearing because you're, you're doing something great, but you're wearing something and looking good while you're doing it. 
So when, when, when a company gives an endorsement deal, they have certain expectations of their client that they want them to live out because they want their company to look good while they wear their gear. And so you and I have been given glory gear. Now we're reflectors of God's glory and we get on the fashion show of life and we spin God's glory around and we take poses to the glory of God through Jesus Christ. We look really, Because what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to attract people to God's eternal brand. How are you doing in attracting people to his brand? Oh, that's what going deeper looks like. But look, 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 look. He's given the theological framework, but then he's going to give us the practical pragmatics for us to live these principles out in the world. Look at what it says. He says, by these, that is, uh, it says, um, call us by his own glory and excellence, by these, his glory and goodness, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you and I may share in the divine nature. This is amazing. So what are one of his promises that he gives? The biggest promise that God gives is in Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27. He says this. He says, I will sprinkle you clean with water. I will take the heart of stone out, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Then I will put, take the old spirit, I'll put my spirit in you, and then cause you to walk in my statutes. That's called gospel transformation. In the Hebrew mindset, heart has three parts to it. It's made up of three parts that makes up a heart. It's mind, emotions, and will. So when you get saved, you get a new mind. The Bible says you have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 or 16. It says new heart. The Bible talks about our heart being changed in Ephesians chapter 2. But then we get our will taken out of bondage. You had a will, but it's now out of bondage. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. What, is, what, is, what does mind represent? Mind represents values. Emotions represents affections. And will represents the practical doing. Listen, when you get saved, when God gives you a new heart, that promise, he gives you a new value system. That's why your mind has to be transformed. So when you get saved, you have the mind of Christ, but you don't have the information of the mind of Christ. So we'll talk about that in a second. But then if your values are changing, your affections have to change. That means what you feel changes. And it's important to not let what you feel inform truth. Truth informs your feelings. Feelings are true, but they're not truth. <laughs> and so that's why you got to tell the truth to your feelings. That's why your values got to change. Precious, magnificent promises. Then will taken out of bondage, you're actually able to walk in it. So now, are y'all trekking with me? And so look at what it says. It says, why does he do this? So that through them, you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. Now, now here we go. Now what he's going to do is he's going to get real practical. Somebody say, get practical. All right, now, this is very, very practical. So, he says right here, he says, for this reason, because of all of this good theological nutrients that we just got, he says, make every effort to supplement your faith. And the word supplement here can be translated furnish. Okay? That, that, means, that means if somebody said a church met in here, but there was no people in here, nothing in here, but it looks like a, it looks like a church on the outside, it looks like it's supposed to be a church, but it's not on the inside. In other words, people wouldn't believe that there's a church in there. So, this is with these things that Paul is, I mean, Peter is about to present is what, what I call faith furniture. 
In other words, these things show you that you have authentic faith. If you don't have these things, you're either not functioning in them or you're, you, or, 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 or you're not growing them. So the first thing he says is he says, supplement your faith with goodness. One translation says virtue or moral excellence. It means to be committed to a standard. The first thing that God has given you the ability to be in goodness is being committed to a standard. And in being committed to a standard, that means that now because your operating system is good, now you have the ability to be committed to a standard. But this is the issue. You can't have commitment without information that informs the standard. So he says, in your goodness, add to your goodness knowledge. Somebody say knowledge. knowledge. That, that, that's very, very important. That means what's knowledge? The Bible. Okay. Now, I, 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 let me see if I can break it down. This is what happens. Even though you have, my phone has a new operating system. You know, uh, um, it has access to an app store. And that access to the app store, allow, it's already connected to it, but it has to download those things off the app store to put it onto my phone. And the way to download it is I have to have facial recognition. In other words, that facial recognition uh, affirms that I'm authorized to download off of my uh, 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 app store onto my operating system or hard drive the things that it's already connected to. Listen, y'all, the Bible is your app store. <laughs> the Bible is your app store. If you're dealing with pride, go download some humility. Mm. If you're angry, download some patience. Uh-oh. This is, so, so this is now your app store that you get to watch. That's how you go deeper. You go to your app store. And so, 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 so you say here, you, you, you got goodness or moral excellence, commitment to a standard. You add to that knowledge. That's biblical information, truth. Not what you think, not what somebody told you, but God's word. Not what you heard on a YouTube video, not what you heard in a meme, but truth from scripture. Because we live in a world where everybody got an opinion about everything and people want the internet to be their Bible. Listen, Wikipedia is just some people throwing some information on there, but this is Eternalpedia. And that's what I want to submit my life to God's word so you add here we go we, we so so goodness you go from goodness to knowledge but knowledge puffs up so you got to be careful so you got to have some self-control now what is self-control this is a good one y'all now this is the booger for most of us the reason why it's a booger for most of us is because self-control is a leash for your passions. <laughs> oh, we're going to get deep right here, even though we're practical. So you're not asking God again for self-control. He already told you he gave it to you. Self-control is already on your new operating system. So it's your leash. Let me see if I can make it plain. Because, see, you're, 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 in, in Philly, I don't know if they do this in, in Nevada, but in Philly, people breed dogs. And um, they breeding pit bulls, presser canarios, all kinds of things. So one of my planters, who I planted in Camden some years ago, he had a dog called a, a South African bull mastiff. Now, if you know what a bull, um, uh, first off, the mastiffs are beasts in the first place. But, um, but, but, but a South African bull mastiff is what they used to use to take down lions. That's what they were bred for. So, 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 so guess what? You can't go to the little pet store and get you one of them little vinyl leashes with the stitches on them. 
You know, that's for the little bounce bounce dog. The little bounce, your dog go like that. That's the, that's the leash you get for that bounce. If you do like that and you can hold them on the airplane and pet them, that's, that's the leash you get for that dog. But a South African mole bass, mastiff is this big. So you get that for his neck, short, he going to yawn and snap it. Just yawning, just snap it. So you need a leash that meets his size, strength, and power. So you got to go to Home Depot or Lowe's and go to the chain section with some, with some stacks of full grain leather and create something to put around his neck because you need a leash that is strong enough to, for you to command that dog to go where you want it to go, not where it wants to go. Listen, your self-control is a leash for your passions. So every day you leave the house, you got to be like, all right, sit. Hey, sit, don't move. All right. Good dog, good dog. So listen, we about to go out the house. I don't, want, I don't want no trouble today. You know, and when the dog run out, he wants to run all over. You got to yank it back. You use the chain of self-control to put your passions in place. Because you're, cause listen, let's make it a little plain. I, I don't know if I can do this at Walk Church. But sometimes your passions want to sniff on some stuff. It's just going over the stuff, sniffing, trying to, trying to get at something that's unauthorized. And when that sniffage begins to happen, because you're like, oh, that's a, no, come back here, come back here. Because sometimes you're like, come on, take me over there where that is. And, and, and you know your vices. I'm going to see if I can see because the light in my eyes. <laughs> listen, you got to listen. Self-control is the ability for you to be honest with yourself, with what you need to pull from. But with the beauty about Self-control, it's leashing your passions. Listen, passions were given by God. So you're not angry at your passions. You're just guiding them so that they go to authorized passion locations. So, so listen, what you do with your dog, when, 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 when do you take the leash off the dog? When you get into the doggy pen and... You, you, you're not just going to be running around. You can take it off and it can run all you want. See, that's what being in Christ is like and going deeper. Going deeper is saying, I'm going to pull my passions away from unauthorized locations, but I'm not going to get mad at God because he won't let me have what I think I want, but I'm going to go to his authorized mechanisms of grace in order to utilize my passions in the places that he created them for. That's, that's what so many of us have to learn about when I talked last night about my, my struggle in the past with porn. Listen, and, and I ain't just a men's issue. <laughs> I've been a pastor for 30 years. It's both of our issues. So I'm like, men, nah, it's y'all too. <laughs> you know, back in the day, y'all used to read them novels. <laughs> All the older saints going like this. <laughs> But listen, the biggest part of the Christian life is believing God has better than Satan. That, let me, let me if you can, listen, you're not going to conquer, you got to continue to tell yourself that. Because the devil is a good marketer. 
And you have to, and I like the way the brother's talking about being in God's presence, because being in God's presence helps you to have your mind reshaped in God's ex in experience with God to know that God has better. Because listen, God lets you invade and enjoy your passions with no Holy Ghost conviction. Okay, you ever done something you know you ain't had no business and the Holy Spirit puts you in a rear naked choke? You can feel it. And anybody grabbing you, you just feel your liver just being pulled. Right. In other words, you enjoyment with conviction. But in God, when he's when he's using you to point your uh, uh, self-control in the right directions, it's enjoyment without conviction. It's enjoyment without conviction. Look at what he says. This. I got to move. I got to move, y'all. I got eight, six minutes. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm wrap this up. He says, he says, in your goodness, as your goodness, knowledge and your knowledge, self-control. But, when, but, but this is what happens uh, 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 um, when, when you're trying to live right. When you're trying to live right, trials come. Uh, listen, listen, so endurance is needed. It's funny. I can remember life being a little bit more easier when I wasn't a believer. I remember it was just easy, you know. I, but when I became a Christian, I don't know what happened. As soon as I stepped from spiritual darkness right here, over here, it seemed like the devil just was like, oh, I'm, I'm getting you, shorty. You're a target of mine right now. So what is endurance for? Endurance or steadfastness or perseverance is consistency in the midst of adversity. That's what that means. That's what endurance means. It means consistency in the midst of adversity. Uh, uh, and, so, and, so, and so what it gives you the ability to do is it's your ability to grow or develop muscular dexterity and strength as you go through more muscle tearing in the spirit. What do I mean by that? When you work out, that pain that you have after the workout is the tearing of the muscle. But you eat protein and you, and, you, and you let it heal so that in that place that muscle grows more massive. That's what endurance is. And so now as the muscle grows, you're able to lift more weights. And so because you're only in three stages of life, you're in three stages. You're either coming out of a trial, you're either in a trial, or you're going into one. And so that's why the Bible says knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Endurance. What does the Bible say in, 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 in Romans chapter 5? I love what it says in Romans chapter 5. This is a big, 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 big Christian word in our vocabulary. This idea and this word endurance is a big word. Because in chapter 5, it says here, it says, and not only that, but we rejo also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. It adds on to each one. So that's what endurance does. I, I can tell you this. My wife and I, 23 years ago, while I was in my last theology class, um, I got a call. My wife was six months pregnant. And my, my wife was like, get to the hospital. This was the only time I didn't go to this appointment with her. I usually go to all her appointments, and she's pregnant. And um, when I went, I, I, I went to the hospital, and the, the, the doctor said, there's no heartbeat. Your daughter's gone. And so I prayed, John 11, God, you're the resurrection and the life. Laid hands on my wife. People from the church came. They stood in the room for hours praying. Nothing happened. She gave birth to my daughter. She was stillborn, and I'm sitting there. And I'm having to now apply this reality of the testing of your faith produces endurance. Not only that, my wife 
ended up needing a liver transplant. She was so sick that she was in a wheelchair. And this, as she was in the wheelchair for that amount of time, uh, 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 she, was, she was pregnant. We found out she was pregnant. They told us to abort the child to save her life. My wife said, I'll never do it. She ended up having our son. When she had our, son, our oldest son, um, he was in ICU for six weeks. I went four times a day to pray for him, before work, during lunch, after work, and at night, every day for six weeks. My wife ended up getting her transplant. When she got her transplant, she got, she, she got, she got cancer in the transplant. And I can, I can go through trial after trial after trial. But one of the things that I began to see is as we went through everything that God allowed us to go through, something in us got stronger. Even though God healed and God set free and sometimes didn't, sometimes he delivered, sometimes he did every moment made us stronger. And many of you need to recognize that you shouldn't allow what you're going through to produce destruction in your life, but it should be producing endurance in your life and a commitment to God and a relentlessness to his kingdom. Why? Because your operating system has endurance in it. You built different, like the young folks say. You built different. And so now you got, you, got, you, got, you got endurance. And guess what happens? Then the picture of Jesus starts coming. Two minutes. Godliness. But then this is the soul work, Pastor Hyden. But it has to get out of your soul. It has to get from here to relationships, brotherly affection. That's why you need community. Because when you get all of these different people together, Voltroning together, for their brotherly affection, what effect will that be? Because now you got to apply all of these different things in the context of community. And you're not going, we can't make going deeper individualistic. Going deeper is communal. That's very important. You can't, this, but so deep you can go by yourself. You have to have communal relationships, but then you can't, as the church, just hang with each other and become an ingrown toenail. <laughs> it, this is brotherly love, but love here is gener general. This is about evangelism and mission in the world. So look, God always works on you from the inside out. Somebody say the inside out. Inside he starts with you, he gets you with others, and then he gets you out on mission. Ain't that beautiful? And did you know you can't go deeper by just being with God or by yourself? But you got to go deeper with being with others who have been with God and y'all getting together. But then you go deeper with God by going deep with those others, by going deep, by engaging lost people. So good. I'm by myself. I'm going to call the Pentecostal church down the street. Let me see. Verse 8. It says, listen to this. This is so amazing. Now, this is the assessment. Somebody say the assessment. Now, this is how you begin to assess whether or not you're actually going deeper. Deeper or deepen is not just the title of the conference. It's something you really want to be. So look, it says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure. Notice it didn't stop there. It didn't just say if you possess these qualities. Because if you're a believer, you possess them. But they're supposed to increase. In other words, goodness is supposed to influence knowledge. Knowledge is supposed to influence self-control. Self-control is supposed to influence endurance. Endurance, God is for. So you're supposed to increase in these. That means you're using them. 
That means you're using them. It says they will keep you from being useless and unfruitful. That's amazing. So now you're growing in them in increasing measure. But what does it say is an issue after that? Look at verse 9. Verse 9 is crazy. Because in verse 9, it says the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted. This is, this is amazing. What happens is, is even when you become a believer, there's a, God expects fruit. It's, it, he, it's, he, he expects fruit. He doesn't invest in us through Christ's death on the cross and resurrection for us to stay the same. Okay? So, 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 so there's an expectation. But what happens, though, is when you're not walking in these in increasing measure, you can become blind. In other words, he's saying you forget you're saved. Now, what is short-sighted? I'm sure. Uh, 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 um, um, one translation says nearsighted. Nearsighted is what I, oh, Lord. <laughs> nearsighted means you can see up close, but you can't see far. What does that represent? A lack of faith. Why? Because you can't add to your faith anything if you're not, if you can only see what's in front of you. And so, and so, and so he says, and you have forgotten, has forgotten the, forgotten the cleansing from his or her past sins. He says, therefore, this is so important, brothers and sisters, make every effort, I'm going to translate it this way, to remind yourself that you're saved. Make every effort. Listen, listen, whenever you remain, the Christian life is a hill, not a, not a plane. Let me explain this. If it's a plane, you can stand still, but, but, the, but the Christian life is a ramp or a mountain, and you're going like this. If you stop on a mountain, you're going to get fatigued and start to go down. And so that's why many times you have to re-go up things. That's Hebrews chapter 5. They become dull of hearing and need to learn the elementary things of Christ again. But God doesn't want us to have that disposition. He wants us to climb the mountain of our sanctification and grow as we partner with him in our growth, as we partner in him with moving up the mountain, as we partner with him in looking like Jesus, as we partner with him. Going deeper is partnering with God and you taking responsibility for your spiritual formation. I'm done, I'm done. It says, because if you do these things, you will never stumble. That's a promise. That's a promise. It doesn't mean you're perfect. Stumbling means falling away from the faith, apostasy. See, we've gone through a crazy thing in this season. I'm done. I'm done. 2020, a lot of people reevaluated the faith, and so many people have walking away. Because they did something that was never in our DNA to do, and that's put our spiritual lives on hold. And so in this season, as we press forward in God, I'm praying that if you put your spiritual formation on hold, Jesus is beckoning you back. Jesus is beckoning you back to go into the deep again and to walk with him and to live for him. And so every head bow, every eye close. You're saying, I, I, I hear you, Pastor. And, I, man, I, I, I can sense that thing in me right now. I need to go deeper. I want to I start the process of going deeper. I want to start the process of being committed to that in every area of my life.
If that's you, I want to pray for you again today. I've been off the process. I've been off the treadmill of my faith. But you can come here to the altar and God will give you renewal that you've been needing. Last night was the breakdown. This morning is the build up. That's you. Come forward. I want to pray for you. God, take me to the next days. I know I've acknowledged my stronghold last night, but now I need to work through what it means to apply these things and going deeper. Anybody? Anybody? I see you, sis. I see you, sis. I see you, bro. Anybody else? Some of us have been playing in the kiddie pool, and God is saying, I'm ready to take you into the deep. So I'm ready to take you into the deep. Anybody? Anybody here? It's a process, family. God, I just sense God saying, don't rush yourself, but make the move. Deeper. God, deepen us and taking us beyond the surface. Anybody else? We'll wait for you. Anybody else? of what you did for us on the cross you've opened up and given us a brand spanking new relationship with you by faith but God maybe someone's here and, and, and those who have come forward they're saying I know God but I, I, I need I need to go deeper because I've been getting snagged and going back and forth by some stupid stuff and Lord and, and so for some people it's not necessarily they've been doing anything wrong or bad it's just man they just want to go deeper God, we're asking for more of you. But really, we got all of you. The question is, <laughs> do you have all of us? That's why the Bible says to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Today, they're laying on the altar saying, God, I'm becoming a living sacrifice for your glory. God, I pray against the spirit of loneliness in this place. There's some people in here that feel lonely. They feel disconnected. I come against every lie the enemy would have over them, Lord God, that they would believe those lies, Lord God, that you've forgotten about them, Lord God. Lord God, I, I come against them not believing you because there's some things that they've been wanting and some needs that they wanted to be. Lord, meet them where they are, Lord God. Lord God, and I pray that you would ramp up their pursuit of you. And God, every time they, they feel themselves taking their foot off the gas of their walk with you, Lord God, will you nudge them on the shoulder and say a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And God, I pray, I pray that God, your people would learn how to be with you. Lord God, I pray that they would take sweet moments to get in their own space and be before you in prayer. Because there's some stuff, listen, there's some stuff God wants to do for you. But God, as sovereign as God is, there's some stuff that won't happen until you pray for it to happen. I don't know who I'm talking to right there. You're waiting for God to do it. And God says, I'm waiting for you to open your mouth and pray my will back to me. And when you pray my will back to me, I will open up that door for you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Because prayer is not, listen, prayer is not the dictation of our will to God, but it's our alignment with it. So God, would you align them with your will? Align us with your way. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said?
Amen. Give God a big hand praise.